Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Hi, Bulldog fans. Our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season. It's concert season. It's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas dot com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the hump day edition of the yard. Folks, we're almost there. It's almost Friday. A couple more days. A couple more days, we've ruined Friday. One day closer to college football season. One day closer to the beginning of the school year. I know many of you parents are looking forward to that. Not looking forward to this little hustle and bustle between now and then. And Got to go to Walmart and uh, knife fight somebody for some uh, three-leaf binders whatever three hole binders whatever you want to call them uh it's uh it's it's an exciting time of year for kids because we're getting that last little run you know right before school that last little trip you know maybe you're getting out going to uh you know going to uh, to the coast or going to run down the gulf shores or going to atlanta for a braves game or just getting out doing some things with the family hope you're able to do that and then pretty soon it's gonna be football season matter of fact in just over a week's time we will be on campus watching the uh, first stages of Mississippi State's fall camp. Just over a week. That's thinking for a second. It's a long time before we play. It's right at five weeks. But in just over a week's time, Mississippi State will take the practice field. And you know how that gets once we get into fall camp and you start hearing, you know, everybody hears things. Everybody's got a source. You know, everybody's got a guy. i got a guy to text me. And here's what he's hearing. You know, there's a lot of that going on already, even though there's not much going on on campus already. But that'll be here, and that'll get us going. Yeah, I remember when um, back in those days where, uh, where you know, when those magazines came out, and you're like, oh, my gosh, it's so close. And then you read them, and you're done with them in like an afternoon. You go back and read them again, and you read them again, and read them again. Uh, it's good that those days are behind us, but it's one of those things, too, where, we'll start getting a lot more college football coverage and then that'll kind of satisfy our appetite just a little bit. Then we'll have some high school football games and that's always great. Always great. 
But before we get into all that, and I've got some stuff today, we're gonna we're gonna take a trip down memory lane today because there's so much discussion. The two, two we just updated to two four seven two four seven for 2020, and the Mississippi State's got a tree of commitments in that group. And I wanted to talk a little bit about rankings today. You know, the Danny Dozens going on, and and here's one of the things, and I have said this many times. You know, anybody can make a list. Anybody. It doesn't, it doesn't require a lot of special skill. Doesn't doesn't require a lot of unique ability. But I, I can tell you that uh, at least the people that I'm associated with, we want to get it right. We want to be able to come back five years from now and say, see, I told you that kid was going to be great, and that he was great. But it is an inexact science, and today we're going to take a look at some of that. And we're going to look at some folks that were uh, that were tremendously overrated, tremendously underrated, and some guys that we got absolutely correct, absolutely right. And there's so many people out there that, uh, you know, they're very critical of all this. And listen, recruiting rankings are a very good barometer, but they're not an exact science. It's not a be-all, end-all. There are a lot of people, and as you'll see with the guys we talk about today, there are a lot of guys out there that end up being late bloomers even in college and work their way onto a professional roster work their way into draft positioning because of hard work, because they didn't let a high school ranking define them. And listen, when I first got into this industry, you know, guys were ranked high because somebody said they were good, not not because they were good. There wasn't a lot of accountability. There just wasn't a lot of people getting out there and going. One of the things that I learned, you know, and I've, I've been, you know, covering recruiting, I guess, now since since 05, is that, uh, you know, I, I would see kids and I would think, man, how has this guy got – a four-star, or how is this guy a five-star? Is it does this kid really have a legitimate offer from Alabama and Georgia and Texas and LSU and Florida and Notre Dame? And so then you get out and you go see him play yourself, and you begin to think there is no way this kid is going to Florida, or this kid's going to Texas A&M. And then he signs on, you know, with UAB, and everybody wonders, oh well, this kid's going to be great. I mean, you know, he picked UAB over all these great schools. And there, there's a reason for that. I remember I interviewed a guy. I won't mention the names. It's really not important to illustrate the point here. I interviewed a kid several years ago that we recruited out of St. Louis, Missouri. And I don't know how hard we really recruited him. But this is a kid that reported about 50 major college offers. And he, someone put out on his behalf he had offered from Mississippi State. And so I called him to, to gauge his interest in Mississippi State, to find out how he got on the Mississippi State radar, to find out how... Mississippi State discovered him, you know, what his feelings were about Mississippi State. Did Mississippi State have a realistic chance? You know, is he plan to visit campus? All that stuff. And so I interviewed him, and he gave me a list of teams, and Mississippi State was among his favorites. And then I kind of lost track of him because I didn't hear a lot about him. You, know, you see this initial report on social media, and if it's on Twitter, it's absolutely got to be true, right? Every offer reported on Twitter has got to be right. But it wasn't a lot of, you know, wasn't a lot of buildup around this guy. wasn't a lot of chatter around him, despite the fact that he had all these offers. I mean, claiming Ohio State, Notre Dame, Michigan. Guys, this kid signed on with Southeast Missouri. He signed on with CMO. Claimed 50 offers, almost all of them from the Power Five. And so, when you go out and you see kids. You hope to kind of verify what's what's being reported about them, and that's where I think things have changed. I think it is recruiting rankings have taken a huge step forward, and there are some people out there that have a "he loves me, he loves me not" mentality. I, I firmly believe in in making taking your own evaluation, and then sticking with your evaluation, not stubbornly. There's sometimes you know you, your initial impression of a guy is not correct. Sometimes sometimes you may see a guy on a bad day. We've talked about that. But you can't go out there and say, oh, well, this kid's got 25 offers. He must be a four-star. Because I know a lot of kids out there, I mean a ton of them, and they got some help too. They got these mentors. You know what I'm talking about. They got these mentors, these basically these de facto street agents out there tweeting on their behalf and talking about how, oh, this kid's got this offer and that offer, and they don't have them. But they try to create some buzz for these guys by getting out and saying that they do. And everybody's like, oh, I really want this kid. Because if Notre Dame wants him, we've got to want him. How can we, you know, we're not that smart, right? How can we pass on a kid that Notre Dame and Miami and, and Florida State want? But you find out that social media breeds liars. And you find out that many of these kids are being exploited by other people looking to profit from their ability. 
And so you get out and you go see things and you go see places and you go watch kids play. And, and if you're going to evaluate guys based on what's supported on social media, you're going to be wrong just about 99 out of 100 times. But I found when you actually go see guys play football, and listen, there's some things you can learn in camp. I mean, really, but you learn the basics. I know a lot of combine heroes after I, I hosted combines for 10 years. I know a lot of guys that look great in a T-shirt and shorts, but when the band starts playing, the pads start popping, and the Friday night lights come on, they become cowards. I've seen a bunch of those kids, a bunch of them. And, you know, but fo- college football is not for everybody. You can go be a good high school player and have a good life and, you know, get your letterman's jacket and get a, get a class ring and maybe make an all-district team and feel good about life. You, you can earn a lot from the high school experience. College football is not for everybody. But there are a lot of people that put too much emphasis on a camp or they put too much emphasis on an offer sheet. You know, go see the kid play football. Either he can play or he can't. And one of the things that I have learned about going and watching kids play for the past, you know, what, 15 years now, is that the SEC kids look like SEC kids even on average days. If you, I used to joke with people. I said, you know, I used to bring my wife to a game and bring my, my, oldest, he's, my oldest son now. I had one son when I first started all this. But I'd take, take Ani to the ball game with me, and I wouldn't tell him who we were there to see. And then by halftime, I used to kind of joke with myself. I'd say, hey, who, who are we here to see? And, and a lot of times he could pick the kid out even at a young age. Because you don't have to look hard for Power 5 players on the high school level because they will play like Power 5 players at any level. But anyway, pardon the rant. We're going to get into some of that. A couple of things we're going to get into. Mississippi State announces their non-conference schedule for men's basketball. We'll break some of that down for you. Kind of look ahead to this weekend's recruiting event. On Friday, we'll kind of go through that list. Paul Jones and I are reaching out to some guys, kind of confirming who's coming, who's not. We put a list up of, of invitations earlier this week. We won't have all those guys. Okay, because some of those guys are invited to Ole Miss, Alabama, other places. Okay, we won't get them all. We'll get a lot, though. And Paul and I will be on the scene. We'll be able to get some information for you and kind of share who actually did show up and who didn't. Hopefully, we get a commitment or two out of the weekend. But if, even if we don't, you know, state's right there. We're almost in a holding pattern now anyway. You know, we're almost right to the point where you, now you're just kind of waiting out your guys. But I want to thank our good friends at Campus Bookmark. If, uh, if you're looking to get outfitted for college football season, you can do that at Campus Bookmark. You can buy your textbooks there. You can buy all of your celebratory memorabilia. You can get your College World Series shirts. You can get your football shirts. You can get the official issue sideline wear, the coaches wear, all that stuff. You can go by and see Stan Ray, Miss, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. You can have a great time with those folks or – if you can't make it to town, or perhaps that uh, game day is not a good shopping day for you, go to campusbookmart.net and use promo code BSR, and that stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, and that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Before we jump into a bunch of recruiting stuff, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about, uh, you know, about uh, basketball. Before we, you know, before we get too caught up in, in football, because I'm going to have a lot of things to say. You know, one of the things that Mississippi State has been criticized for in recent years has been their uh, non-conference schedule. You know, Mississippi State's schedule's, uh, you know, really light, and that's true. They have, but not this year. Not this year. State's going to open at home, four straight home games. Going to have Florida International. The, uh, the season opener, November 5th. November 5th, go ahead and mark your calendars. November 5th, that's FIU coming in. And then uh, we'll get Sam Houston State on the 8th, UL Monroe on the 14th, and then UNO on the 17th. Okay, so that's four home games to start the season for Mississippi State. And this, listen, it's not going to be like it has been where, I mean, you're playing, you know, some teams that uh, they are going to struggle. You know, they're teams you – any time that your your college basketball team rolls out a non-conference schedule and you have to go Google the opponent, it's not a, non, a good non-conference schedule, okay? I think we can all agree with that. And so then once State gets through with that quartet of games, we're going to be in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and that's a great place to be. I have been to Myrtle Beach, loved my time there. It was an unbelievable experience. Great place to go vacation. And if you're in that neck of the woods, maybe this is a great chance for you to go watch Mississippi State men's basketball. We're going to have three games up there. 
going to play Tulane on November 21st. We'll turn around the next day, and we will either play Villanova or Middle Tennessee State. That's pretty good matchups, right? No matter how that thing shakes out, we're going to play the winner of those games. And then, then on the 24th, we're guaranteed a third game. We will play either Baylor, Utah, Ohio, or Coastal Carolina. So three games in four days there in Myrtle Beach. Be a good chance for you guys to get out and go see them. That's you know, that's the Myrtle Beach Invitational. That's what they're going to call it. And there's a lot of good teams uh, in that tournament. State will then return home, play Louisiana Tech, and then go on the road December 14th. State's going to be back, back in uh, Madison Square Garden, back in the Never Forget Tribute Classic. And if you recall, that is a fundraiser for the scholarship fund for the the uh, the descendants of the 9/11 victims. It's a great cause. Glad that Mississippi State is um, is affiliated with this again for a second straight year. We'll come home then, and we'll play Radford probably the only team that you're probably not familiar with, Bradford. And then in Jackson, Mississippi, we're going to make that return trip. And, and I'll be honest with you, I like these in-state games out of Humphrey Coliseum during the holiday break. And I, there are a lot of people that say, well, I don't understand. This is why. We're not going to get a holiday crowd here in Starkville. We're not. And so rather than play in front of 500 people again, because the students are going to be gone, and you know that I love the students. This fall, I'll have two students that bear my DNA and last name at Mississippi State. So I, I feel a certain kinship with those students. want them to have a great experience. But they're not going to be here for the holidays. And so in order for us to draw a crowd, it's good to take the show on the road. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say we should always go to the Coliseum. I don't know that that's always uh, the, the best of things. I know it's good. I know we have a lot of players that have some connections to Jackson, Mississippi area, and it is a novelty type thing. I don't I don't know if we don't bring this thing to the coast every so often. You know what I'm saying? Just to kind of shake it up a little bit. But I'm glad we got to get out and go. We're going to draw a bigger crowd in Jackson, Mississippi, against New Mexico State than we would here in Starkville. New Mexico State won the WAC last year, too, by the way. That, that's, that is not a... Uh, you know, a uh, generic opponent. This is a team that has played some basketball. Matter of fact, it took on Auburn in the uh, NCAA tournament last year. And so that'll be a decent matchup, and it will be in Jackson. And, uh, you know, Jack, you know, we can say what we want to, but uh, Mississippi State doing what they can to try to get the game out there. I, and I, I'm a big fan of the baseball games, being played in Pearl, being played in Biloxi. I think that's great. I think any time that we can take the show on the road, it's easier for families to get out and go to those games. And, and you guys are so great to turn out and support the Bulldogs. And so go ahead and plan ahead. Christmas break, everybody's going to be off anyway. Let's go, go take in that ball game. And then again, December 30th, we're back for Kent State. And then then, you know, then we we'll, the, not, the conference schedule will roll out you know sooner rather than later. And then we're going to play the Big 12 Challenge. We're going to be on the road at Oklahoma on January 25th. That's the only non-conference game after the new year until we get into the NCAA tournament and we're going to the NCAA tournament. Uh, so good. Uh, you know, a, a, a very good non-conference schedule. This will help build some RPI stuff. And, uh, you know, we're going to play some decent teams, not going to be a lot of marquee matchups, but, uh, I, you know, I think it's Mississippi state's going to be a tough draw this year for a lot of people. And I think with Reggie Perry and that roster coming back, you know, we, we've lost some talented players. We've got a really solid group coming back. Abdul Adu, Tyson Carter, Reggie Perry, Nick Weatherspoon, Robert Woodard. That's probably your starters right there. I think we could all say that's probably going to be it. And then, you know, Keyshawn Fazell returns. Uh, E.J. Datcher you know, is a relief guy you know, coming off the bench. Uh, and then we'll see uh, Prince Adoro make uh, his Bulldog debut. And then D.J. Stewart, a lot, a lot of talk about him. A lot of talk about him being, you know, kind of that X factor this year. He could be a guy that could be a real scorer for us. And so, eager to see it all come together. You know, men's basketball is one of those things we... we I had a friend of mine share with me recently. He goes, you know, there's just not a lot of juice about men's basketball. And I don't quite understand that. And I know some of it's got to do with, I think at times we Bulldog folks get a little fatigued. 
and, and I mentioned that on the show before, you know, we don't really have an off season anymore. You know, we are always cheering for something. We are always packing the car to go somewhere to watch the Bulldogs play because they need us, right? And so with the success that football has had in recent years and the success that women's basketball has had, men's basketball sometimes gets a little bit lost in the shuffle. And so my hope is this year, because I don't, listen, I remember when men's basketball carried us through some lean years as a Bulldog family. But my hope is this year we can make Humphrey Coliseum an incredible place to play. Listen, there were some games last year that were, that, and I give, again, I give a lot of credit to our students. You know, we all, you know, we have a lot of folks, and I'm, I'm not being disrespectful, we have a lot of folks that kind of sit on their hands, and then all of a sudden the students get going, and people are like, oh, yeah, I need to get up and get going. And so the students kind of set the tone for us. Well, we had some big games last year, and my hope is because of the fact we've got some high expectations this year, we'll build off last year. And listen, I'm not going to sit here and excuse that loss of Liberty. That was an absolute um, – I won't, I won't go as far as to call it a joke, but it was an incredible disappointment because Mississippi State was the better team. We didn't play like it. And, uh, you know, maybe the stage is a little bit too big for us, but my hope is, is that we have, we have earned for, learned from that and will be a better team this year as a result of that experience. This will be Reggie Perry's final season in Humphrey Coliseum. It's been a while since we've had a bona fide NBA first-rounder on our roster. It's been a while. You got one. You might have two, considering Robert Woodard. Going to be an exciting team to watch. And, you know, last year, that's when things kind of – we kind of found our center. I don't, I don't mean that metaphorically. But we kind of found our center as a team – it's Reggie Perry and Robert Woodard began to play their way into the lineup. Once they began to earn the trust of their coach and their teammates, we began to evolve and mature as a basketball team. Down the stretch, Reggie Perry and Robert Woodard played big minutes for Mississippi State. They will be better for that this year. So again, the conference slate will be out a little bit later. And uh, while we're talking about this non-conference stuff, Mississippi State will have their non-conference baseball schedule finalized very soon. And that'll be out. And then we'll find something about the women. Vic Schaefer, a little bit uh, a little bit busy these days. Vic Schaefer uh, working with uh, Team USA, coaching the Pan American Games. So uh, a lot of international flavor as it pertains to Mississippi State here as of late. But uh, that, that's the men's basketball brief. And so I'm, I'm excited again to get into season. I hope you guys are as well. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. You know, I have said many times, and I don't think that you understand it. Some of you guys, I think you, you get it. I think some of you people are still denying yourself one of the finest guilty pleasures in life, and that's that great restaurant-quality hamburger. You're not going to find a better restaurant-quality hamburger in the state of Mississippi than you're going to find at Bulldog Burger Company. You can get a burger any way you want it. And there are a lot of, there are a lot of burgers that you, that you don't know about that you're going to want. And you don't, until you walk in there, it's like you don't know what you don't know. Until you walk in there, you, you think, okay, Steve, it's just another burger place. How good can it be? Well, I'll tell you this. When you sit down and put your feet underneath that table and you have that great service and you put that mentality you had bacon in your mouth, your life changes. Everything around you just kind of opens up. The grass is greener. The air is cleaner. Water tastes cooler. The people around you are better looking. It's life-changing. I encourage you to go in there and try that pimentology ad bacon. And you know what? And, and, and maybe that's not your thing. You'll find your thing. And maybe you're a little bit hesitant to try something on the wild side. Go in there and have that great bulldog that is a great straight-ahead restaurant-quality burger. You will not be disappointed. You can have the french fries. You can have onion rings. You can have any, any, you can have a side salad. And if you don't want to eat all that bread, I hear that all the time. Well, Steve, I love to get a burger, but I don't. I, I got to be careful. All that bread. You know what? You don't even have to have a bun. You can get a gluten-free bun. You can get no bun. You can have your hamburger served on a bed of lettuce. However you want to do it. Bulldog Burger Company, the restaurant closest to campus in the Cotton District, the place in Starkville people go to meet. M E A T. So I want to get in a couple things. As I mentioned, we're going to have a cookout this weekend. On Friday, we'll kind of have that. We'll have a really good idea of who we expect to be here, and uh, and who won't be here. You know, and this is in many ways, this is kind of a uh, get right or get left weekend. There are some guys out there that have been courted by both State and Ole Miss. 
that are invited to both places. It kind of reminds me of uh, several years ago when Caleb Yules was coming out of Yazoo County. Love Caleb. Absolutely love him. Great guy, man. Um, great football player. Great person. Great person. But Caleb, you know, I, I can't remember the weekend, but Mississippi State was playing an FCS opponent. I don't even remember who it was. And, and Ole Miss had a big SEC game. You know, I think they were playing LSU or Alabama or somebody. They had, you know, a ton of prospects coming in to watch that game. And Caleb Yules came to Mississippi State to watch us, you know, skull drag a non-conference opponent, an FCS team. I mean, and he was probably the only big-name guy there. But you, you kind of walked away thinking, you know what, that kid's coming to Mississippi State because if he'll turn down the big party atmosphere and the big, you know, SEC matchup, where everybody in the in the state's going to go to come here to watch us win a game it's not going to be competitive then that kid wants to come to Mississippi State I don't know about you I'd rather be in Davis Wade Stadium anywhere in the country but I'm a little bit of uh, of, an, of a biased observer you know, Caleb was a college football prospect working his way through so you'll see some of that this weekend the big news will be okay well if this kid like Emmanuel Forbes committed to Mississippi State. If he shows up at Ole Miss, that probably is bad news for the Bulldogs. Now, I was told earlier this week that they were that Ole Miss was all over him trying to get him to come and that he was unsure about what he was going to do, go to State or to Ole Miss. You know, you got to keep recruiting him. I know some people would say, well, you know, if that's how he feels, he's our commitment. You know, listen, I get it. It's difficult. It's hard on these kids. It really is. Well, speaking of that, I want to get into uh, – I want to go back and look at the uh, the top football recruits in Mississippi for 2015. Many of those guys were seniors last year or are seniors this year. And I want to go through the rankings here and kind of explain a little bit here about, uh, you know, how these guys turned out. You know, like, these are the guys we were, we were all arguing about, you know <laughs> – uh, five years ago, we're going to get this kid, and you're not going to get this kid, and, and you know, there's just going to be so much that goes on with this, and so many people that get been out of shape, and so let's, you know, take take a deep breath here, let's take a look here, and let's just see, were these guys worth the trouble, were they worth the argument, were they worth all the tweets, and all the, you know, all the arguments that, that took place, you know, and, and I would say, in some cases, no. So according to 247, they had Javon Patterson ranked as the number one prospect in the state. Now at Scout, we did not. We had Patterson, I think, third. And one of the reasons why is because, and I, and I appealed to Chad Simmons then, there's no way that an offensive guard is going to be the top player. I, I just, I want a guy that's a little more impactful, that plays more an impactful position than an offensive guard. And all due respect to interior linemen, I'm not hate on you guys. Love Javon Patterson's game out of high school. Really thought a lot of him as a player. But offensive guard, that's just not a real sexy position. That's kind of like me having a tight end at number one. You know, I want a guy that's going to be able to be a little more impactful. That's just my philosophy. Javon Patterson, in my mind, clearly a four-star. Goes to Ole Miss, ends up as an undrafted player. Had a good career at Ole Miss. I, I think we could all say Ole Miss certainly got their scholarship money out of Javon Patterson. You know, was a was a contributor in year one. And so he goes up there and, and uh, you know has has a good career, and uh, now has an opportunity to go make a camp in the NFL. Jamal Peters was the number two player in a two four seven composite. Now at Scout we had Jamal Peters number one. You can you know, make of that what you will, but we had a number one. Uh, Jamal Peters is a guy that had a good career at Mississippi State, made the move to corner, was an undrafted guy. Signed on with the Colts and had an injury and uh, accepted a settlement, and now he's working his way back. And so uh, he will not be on a roster this fall. I saw him kind of lamenting that on social media uh, earlier this week about how you know he, he knows he's not going to be in camp anywhere this, this fall, and uh, that's going to be difficult for him. Javon Peters, a very talented guy, probably played out of position at Mississippi State because you had to get him ready to play. We had so many needs at corner, he kind of got moved over there and got stuck. Number three, number three in, in the composite was Leo Lewis. 247 had him ranked number two, but in the composite ranking, Leo Lewis, number three. Leo Lewis has shown some flashes at times at Mississippi State, hasn't always been the most consistent player. And I think many of us back then on signing day 2015, if you were told you want Leo Lewis is going to be at Mississippi State in 2019, you would not have believed it. You probably wouldn't even believe that he redshirted. 
but he did, and he's still here. And uh, you know, and, and listen, I think Bob Shoup utilized him pretty well last year. Uh, really used him some in the blitz package, and I, I still look back at that Kansas State game where he absolutely destroyed the quarterback and then didn't get credit for the fumble. Uh, an awful, awful call. But uh, Leo is a guy that uh, you know we expect to come out this year and really contribute and and, uh, and be a good guy. I, I think that he is probably on the two deep behind Willie Gay right now. Uh, so Errol Thompson, Willie Gay, probably your starters, but Leo will be in the mix there. And uh, you know he is a guy too. If he has the year that we need him to have, if he has a year that puts him in a position to be drafted, then it's been a great year on defense. But uh, but he's a guy, too. I think if we're all being honest with ourselves, we expected him to be a dominant force. And to date, he hadn't been. Still has it in him and still has a year to kind of live up to that ranking. Uh, but, but to date, uh, I think Leo Lewis is a guy that um, – needs to find the consistency in things just i mean he because he has the ability to do it uh number four fletcher adams and, and he is a guy that uh you know another a red shirt senior a guy that has been a two deeper been a solid guy when he's gotten in there doesn't have the great length uh has a great motor but uh number four in the state you know big time player four-star guy everybody loved him but uh, a guy this year that's going to need to step up and have a big role at mississippi state state has some uh, talent at defensive end. He is one of those guys. We'll get an opportunity to, to play a lot more this year. And we're going to need him to have a big year. No doubt about it. Number five on the list, Malik Deer out of Murrah. Probably would have felt differently about him had he been healthy throughout his career. Tears his ACL, misses a year, shows up a little heavy. You have the coaching change. And uh, listen, I give Malik Deer a lot of credit for hanging in here. He's still here. And, uh, you know, down the stretch last year, he was able to play a little bit and, and get in there and have some punt returns. Did not have an opportunity to play a whole lot last year. And just seemed to be a guy from the very beginning when, when Moorhead and him got here that just didn't seem to fit. And I don't know if that's through their eyes or his eyes or whatever, but, uh, you know, he was a guy that, uh, you know, he and Jamal Couch pretty early on seemed to kind of be in the doghouse. Couch elects to leave. Deer sticks it out. Deer earns his college degree. And is now back. Uh, so we'll see what happens. He is in better shape. I do know that. And so my hope is is that uh, you know he can live up to some of the potential we had for him. Uh, Armani Linton was uh, composite number six. 247 had him as a number four player in the state. Uh, you know, I, I and I'm not going to be disrespectful to any player, but Armani Linton has not been able to get on the field at Ole Miss. I mean, he, he's done very little. They've moved him around some. He's played some at safety. He went to running back kind of as an emergency situation. And he was a tremendous player in high school. and But for some reason, he just not hasn't found the magic in, in college. And uh, at one point, he was committed to Mississippi State. He and Jay Johnson flip over uh, to Ole Miss, and neither one of them really did anything. And so not exactly sure what to expect from Armani down the road. Uh, but he is a guy that has not lived up to his potential. I, I, think we, we've, I think we all felt really good about him coming out of high school. Uh, but he just simply hasn't. His game has not translated well on the college level. The number seven player was Tommy Champion, offensive tackle out of Callaway High School. Uh, you know, Tommy's a guy that's expected to play a lot this year. But he's a guy that went to junior college, then redshirted at Mississippi State after junior college, was a rotation guy last year, and at times played pretty well. Other times did not play well. Really inconsistent at times. Marcus Johnson tells me that he is in the mix to start at right tackle. He and Greg Allen will, will compete there. Uh, Tommy is one of those guys, too, that's going to have an opportunity to play. He's, he's played some at guard. Uh, he can move up and down the line. But uh, he is a guy, too, when he decides he wants to play, can be a, a very devastating player. And, uh, you know, State has some depth at offensive line, and he is a part of that. But he was rated as the number one tackle in the state of Mississippi and a number two offensive lineman coming out. I think it's fair to say at this point, uh, still kind of waiting to see him play up to a four-star status. Uh, number eight, Tim Washington. Tim Washington's a guy that uh, really, you know, if you had told me last year Tim Washington would have the year that he had last year, I would have been, I would have been surprised. Because Tim is another guy that just he got here and we felt pretty good about him, and then he kind of transitioned to, to a special teams player. Last year it was different. Tim Lukabu kind of got him going a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see what he does this year. He was a backup last year at Mike Linebacker, played really well at times. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he even led Mississippi State in tackles in one game. 
But uh, last year, State got their scholarship money out of him, so we'll see what happens this year. But, you know, again, it's a veteran group at linebacker. I mean, you, you talk about, you know, Shamar Kilby-Lewis, Shamar Kilby-Lane, pardon me, Leo Lewis, Tim Washington. you got some seniors there. Errol Thompson's a junior. Uh, Willie Gay is a junior. So you, you feel good about the top of that group, and Tim is a big part of that. Willie Hibbler was a guy, number nine in the state, was supposed to be a tight end, uh, you know, had some issues there at North Panola, but has uh, really moved to linebacker kind of out of an emergency situation. Has kind of found a home there at Ole Miss uh, and, and had a decent year last year. You know, he was a guy that the adversary put him out there. He had never played linebacker. He's just getting bound athleticism. Uh, so, again, I don't know that he's lived up to his potential, but some of that has to do with the fact that uh, he changed positions uh, and they've had a kind of – that Ole Miss defense has been awful, and that's not necessarily Willie Hibbler's fault. The fact that he's had to go out there and play linebacker just kind of shows you uh, the needs they've had at the position. But, uh, again, you know, Willie Hibbler, a very talented player, and we'll see what happens this year with him. Gabriel Campbell was a guy that uh, everybody was you thought was going to be a state Ole Miss thing, and he ends up going to Oklahoma, and then his uh, medical hardship guy went up there. And uh, this is another one of the situations, too, where, uh, you know, everybody's got to do what's best for them. Okay, and I'm a firm believer in that. But uh, I think if Gabriel Campbell had stayed closer to home, Gabriel Campbell would have played football. And uh, goes up there, things don't work out. He ends up getting injured. Uh, I guess he could have got injured anywhere. But uh, number 10 player in the state that year, just not much to show for that. Number 11 on the list, Chris Stamps. You guys remember Chris? Chris shows up in Mississippi State, hurt, has shoulder surgery, red shirts, can't lift, kind of gets behind state, kind of recruits over the top of him. He ends up transferring out, and uh, you know Chris is an incredible cover guy, but that injury set him back, and he just was one of those guys. He never really got back to where we expected him to be. Great kid, continues to support Mississippi State, but uh, it just didn't work out for us. A guy we thought an awful lot of, and uh, you know Chris Stamps kind of guy you'd probably want to hire to come work for you. I mean, it's a great character kid, but uh, just didn't do much at Mississippi State. And uh, just really just couldn't add the mass necessary. It's one of those things when he, when he had that shoulder surgery, he couldn't do anything to lift for an extended period of time. And then he ended up, you know, just kind of got behind and missed his window. And then uh, went to junior college to kind of reboot his career. Number 12, Dante Jones. Dante Jones back in Mississippi State now after a year prep school. Made some plays last year. I think that uh, he has a chance. He is kind of forgotten man at times at tight end. And we talk about Farad, we talk about the young guys, Jaquari Spivey, and we talk about Mule there, Brad Cumbust. Not a lot of people talk about Dante. Dante made some big catches for us last year, and he's a guy with some pretty good athleticism. It's just a matter of, you know, what happens next for him. He was a three-star kid uh, with an 86 rating. You know, he's still got the potential to live up to that. But, uh, you know, he's another guy, too, that's still got a couple years left because he went to prep school the one year and then showed up. And, and uh, so he's got some time. Number 13 on the list, God rest his soul, Keith Joseph. Man, I tell you. I, I still think about that from time to time. And uh, I've still got that com- that picture on my computer that uh, we took a big dog camp of Big Keith and and, uh, and Marshawn together. And uh, still have that. And uh, I look at it from time to time, and I just, it, just, it makes me sad just to think about, you know, what all has happened um, with that family. And uh, Big Keith, such a great guy. Loved Mississippi State. Really worked hard to get his kid to go to Mississippi State. <laughs> really, really did. And uh, I hate that, uh, you know, things didn't work out better. But uh, we, we miss you, Keith, and uh, wish you and Big Keith uh, the best, and we'll see you on the other side. Number 14, and uh, I was not in favor of this ranking, uh, Jay Johnson from Bruce. A lot of people thought, you know, he would be a defensive end or a tight end or whatever. He was a bit of a tweener. Uh, Bruce High School, this didn't work out. You know, flipped to Ole Miss, uh, didn't make it, signed, you know, committed back to Ole Miss out of junior college, and then didn't make it. And, and uh, you know, I think really the best highlights of him probably are, are on last chance you. You know, I mean, Jay was a guy that uh, had a lot of ability, just didn't have a natural position. You know, just didn't have the foot speed to play some of the skill positions or the size to play some of the other ones. And so uh, just didn't work out for him. I don't even know where he ended up. But, uh was a guy that uh, Ole Miss people really all were awfully proud to flip from Mississippi State. And that's one of the things, if you go look at the, the players that have flipped from State to Ole Miss, not many of them have done a whole lot. 
And, uh, you know, you can add Jay Johnson or Marnie Lynn to that list. Matt Wobmack was the number 15 player in the state and recently named preseason third team All-SEC offensive lineman Matt Wobmack. Uh, went on to Alabama. You know, has been a reserve there and it, it has the potential now to go out and start this year. And you remember Matt was a guy that was very patient, had a bunch of G5 offers early on, wanted to get those uh, in-state SEC offers, got those, and then people thought, okay, well, he'll decide pretty soon. Then he told me he was holding out on LSU. Then LSU offers him, he commits, and then flips to Alabama. Just a wild ride with Matt. But, uh, you know, listen, looking forward to him having a big year this year. Hopefully that uh, it works out well for him. You may not remember this, but Cameron Myers out of Oak Grove was a guy we all really, really liked. And then, uh, you know, State ends up dropping him. And then uh, we're going to re-sign him out of junior college and elected to pass then. No clue what ended up happening to Cam Myers. He was a guy with an incredible amount of athleticism and a guy that a lot of people felt like would, would be a big-time receiver or DP on the next level. Just, but it just didn't come together for him. Number 17 on the list, and this is another one of those rankings that I absolutely disagreed with, Mark McLaurin. I had Mark McLaurin in the top 10. I told Chad Simmons and others repeatedly, this guy is going to be a big-time player on the college level. I don't know that he lived up exactly to what I expected him to, but he was darn close. You know, he didn't have the foot speed, I guess, that I think that we kind of forecasted him to have. But people forget, Martin McLaurin was always around the football. That guy was always around the football. Got his hands on a lot of balls. We, we win the Gator Bowl, thanks in large part to his, his play as well as his leadership. That's a tremendous football player from Mississippi State. Uh, played really hard. Really did. Sign a free agent deal, have a chance uh, to go to camp with somebody, and, and then we'll see where go, things go from there. Uh, Mark is a guy, too, that uh, you know need, needed a little better foot speed, I guess, to be a little bit better in coverage, but uh, you know definitely a good career. I don't think Mississippi State fans can look back on his career fondly. Number 18 on the list, another guy that – another ranking I didn't agree with, Jordan Smith. Uh, Jordan Smith out of Gulfport uh, was a sign-and-place guy all the way. Ole Miss committed him then didn't sign him. And uh, and then he, he just kind of got lost in the sands of time. You know, I don't know where he ended up. Uh, I know that he didn't go to Ole Miss, but it was one of those situations too. When when they when they first when they committed him, oh, he was the the great the great thing. And then they didn't then go back and do anything with him. And and the next guy I'm going to talk about is going to blow your mind. Another one of those uh, another one of those deals where uh, you know we have so many people involved in the the process that have differing opinions. Um, the next guy on this list ended up being a first-round draft pick, and that's Jonathan Abram out of East Marion. He was ranked number 19th in the state, number 19. And I've said this before. This is one of the things where we absolutely blew it as an industry. Uh, I had Jonathan Abram come work out at Brookhaven Combine, saw him play in person, really liked him. But I really thought that Armani Linton had better length it's crazy how life works. So we had Jamal Peters, Mark McLaurin, Armani Lenton, all ranked ahead of Jonathan Abram. And it, for at one stretch, we had Jarvis Wilson ranked ahead of Jonathan Abram. And Jonathan Abram being, ends up being a first-round draft pick. I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that he committed so late. Mississippi State, Ole Miss were kind of hesitant to offer him. And so I think that automatically sends that red flag. So he'll think, okay – if State and Ole Miss don't want a kid from Mississippi, hmm, what does that mean? It gives people pause. Now, unless a kid commits to Notre Dame, and others could put four stars in his name. But uh, my point being, is Jonathan Abram committed late. Jeremy Pruitt took that job at Georgia, got Jarvis Wilson and Jonathan Abram to commit to him, and John Abram ultimately comes to Mississippi State and becomes uh, one of the greatest defensive backs to ever play at Mississippi State. So, again – the number 19 player, a three-star kid with an 85 ranking. And people were like, you know what? He's just okay. Uh, number 20 was Ryan Gibson from St. Stanislaus. Uh, signed on with Cal. You know, one of those guys that uh, kind of valued, um, you know, valued a- academics over uh, over football. Not that Cal didn't have a good football team, but uh, he went out there and eventually uh, – you know, just finished up and, and didn't uh, – gave up football, I guess, in the beginning of January of uh, 2019 this past year and uh, just kind of finished up. And, and I don't say that he quit. He just finished. And at some point that happens to all of us. Uh, I think that's a, a bigger part of things. Sometimes, uh, 
you know, people just don't fully appreciate you. Sometimes we just reach the end of the deal and think we're done here. But uh, he was a starter in 2018 and then elected to um, to shut it down. He was a redshirt junior and uh, elected to shut things down. And um, so, obviously, I think he, he hit his goals. He went out there and he played college football and had a chance to start at a Power 5 conference school and earn his college degree. But uh, he's a guy you don't really hear anybody talk about it here because he didn't pick a Southeastern Conference school. Number 21, Jarvis Wilson. Also went to Georgia out of Tupelo for Mississippi State commitment, went to Georgia. They uh, It's so crazy. They, they, they tried to run him off, tried to run him off, and he ends up being like a special teams player of the year over there. Uh, Jarvis, a, a, a great story. Really a young man that's ever had to overcome a lot. Uh, got his college degree and uh, absolutely wish him the best. But he's a guy that didn't do a whole lot. I don't know that he, that he got a fair shake over there because I think they began to recruit over him a little bit. But uh, you know, probably a guy that uh, if he had gone to State or Ole Miss might have ended up being a starter. But be that as it may, he went to Georgia and hung out there and played with one of the top programs in the country. Number 22 on the list, Jonas Spivey. Didn't last at Mississippi State, transferred out. Uh, kind of saw that coming. You know, Jonas is one of those guys that uh, showed some flashes at times in high school, but, uh, not again, kind of struggled with consistency. Got here, like to transfer to Jones. I don't know what happened to him after that, but uh, not at Mississippi State. Uh, Fred Walls is a guy, linebacker out of uh, Olive Branch, that uh, was committed to Ole Miss for a long time. They dropped him kind of late in the process, and, uh, you know, kind of hurt some feelings, I guess, because he had been so loyal to them. But, uh, you know, not, not a guy that we, uh, you know, we, we expected a lot of big things from uh, early in his high school career. And then he came on late, uh, ended up signing with uh, Memphis after Ole Miss drops him. And uh, that was like in December 9th, that was like December 9th of 2014. So it was pretty late in the process. But uh, And I remember it was interesting that some people had him ranked as the, t- the top player in the state of Mississippi that year early on, and that just simply wasn't correct. But, uh, but nevertheless... Fred Walls was a uh, was a great high school player out of Olive Branch. Uh, Jamar Smith ends up being a starting quarterback at Louisiana Tech. I was a Jamar fan. That's <laughs> one of the people that told me I was crazy, but I was a Jamar fan. Uh, Mississippi State elected to uh, to move on from him, but uh, but he was a guy that uh, has done some big things in college and not done, you know. Uh, but it's you know I'm gonna hit some. I'm not gonna run down the rest of the list here for you. But I'm just gonna mention some names for you because it, it to kind of illustrate my point. Uh, Keenan Barnes out of Madison Central. Uh, State and Ole Miss both dropped him. He signs on with, with Louisiana Lafayette. He's had a good career down there. Birdie Davis from Starville High School signed on with Memphis. Jaywin Smith, number 27, went to Louisville, had a great career there. Richard Floyd goes to Missouri and has had a good career there. Trey Smith from Madison Central went to Louisville. Uh, and then we get a little deeper into this. Number 32 on the list, Farad Green out of Weston Attendance Center. Went to media days for Mississippi State this year. Needs a big year out of us for sure. 33 on the list, Michael Story from Ripley. You know that name. Backup lineman at Mississippi State. Ephraim Kitchen, number 34, former Mississippi State commitment. State drops him. He signs on with Louisiana Tech. 35 was Rafael Leonard, the MVP at the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game that year. Went to FAU. Didn't work out. Went to Scuba. Moved around a little bit. And, um, you know, had a decent career when it was all said and done. Number 40 on the list, folks, Gardner Minshew. Number 40. <laughs> 40, Troy, Juco, ECU, Alabama, Washington State, NFL. Insane. Absolutely insane. 42 on the list, Daryl Henderson from South Panola. Goes to Memphis, lights the woods on fire up there. I uh, got a pro career ahead of him for sure. But uh, my point being, and you can probably see this now, is that uh, a lot of these guys who we get so – excited about these guys we get we argue about and we get so hemmed up about and get elevated emotionally about a lot of these guys are not going to make it there are going to be some other guys out there that elect not to be defined by their high school ranking that play above that and there are some guys we're just going to miss on that's the reality of things and so i share that with all of you to understand as we get into to these last few stages of the recruiting process is it still a hit-or-miss deal? There are so many kids out there that once they get into a college weight room, get into a college uh, nutrition program, get college coaching, get into the proper position, they begin to thrive. 
And so that's where I think Mississippi State has done a great job over the last decade is finding guys like that, finding developmental guys that play above their high school ranking. And that's what we're expecting uh, down the stretch. And so, again, all these people wanted these busts and all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm just telling you there's a lot of guys out there. There's a lot of value in years like this year. In 2015 was a great year, we thought, in recruiting. Everybody's like, oh, this is going to be such a great year. And when you go back and look in hindsight, some of the best players in that class, in that in the state that get drafted, were guys who were ranked outside of the top 25. It's just food for thought. Food for thought. Well, folks, that's going to do it for today. I want to remind you that uh, we'll be back on Friday. And, again, I'll, I'll kind of give you an idea of who's going to be here. You can kind of keep up with that. Paul Jones and I are both kind of reaching out and confirming with guys. If you're a Jeans Page VIP member, and you darn well should be, you can kind of keep up with that progress because we every day we've got this kid's coming, this kid's not sure who's coming, this kid's going to Alabama or whatever. We, we're putting that out there uh, in that thread, and so you can kind of be kept abreast, kind of keep up with that. And, again, we're getting very, very close to college football season, very, very close. And I think it's helpful to look back at times and look at these old recruiting classes, and you get these moments you're like, oh, I remember that kid. And you think, man, you know, how did we miss so much on this kid? How did we have Jonathan Abram ranked outside of the top ten? I mean, it looks like it looks idiotic in hindsight. And he was a guy that was the best player at East Marion High School, a team that uh, gave Bassfield all they wanted uh, that year as Bassfield went on to win the state championship. And uh, so, again, understand all of this is, uh, is all part of a bigger puzzle. And I think it's important to kind of look at things in hindsight to see where we messed up. And I think it's good for us to do some self-evaluation. And you think, how did these guys slip under the radar? How do we miss guys in this day and age of uh, social media? And there's so much video available on Huddle and YouTube and other places like that. So I thought you would find this entertaining today. And uh, I enjoyed kind of going back and taking a look at this. There's so many of these guys I remember that I was so excited about that did next to nothing on the college level. Uh, And so, again, take it all with a grain of salt, but understand that it's all just part of a bigger puzzle. Well, folks, again, thanks so much for your patronage of the Boneyard all these many years. If you hadn't done so, go to StarkVillains.com. Order yourself a Stark Villain shirt. You're going to identify as a Stark Villain once that book comes out. You're going to love it. You're going to be glad to be part of the tribe. Looking forward to meeting so many of you guys out there on the book tour this fall. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.